Hello. So now we're going to talk about whether we should take the fight to the courts or the culture. There's a lot of talk about the judiciary and Amy Coney Barrett and Trump's control over the courts in general and what that means for black people. And black people, let me make something clear. By the time we're fighting in the court, we've, we're already playing defense. We lost. We lost. Because this is a republic, uh, depending on who you talk to, a democracy. If you can't win in the legislature and if the legislature doesn't have your back and if the culture isn't with you, the courts are not going to save you. The courts are not built for you, black people. They're built to secure the property rights of other people and they're peopled by people who do not like us. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I know some of you love Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You have no reason to love Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She is not for you. So by the time your fight gets in the courts, the only thing the court's good for is publicity. I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, the only thing the court is good for is publicity, uh, because maybe you're the person you're fighting doesn't want to be publicized in doing dirty work. But uh, to depend on a court judgment outside of the publicity, I think it's just a fool's errand. Our fight, black people, the fight for black, ju for justice, for black communities is going to be in the culture. And so what does that mean? What does it mean to be in the culture? We have cultural institutions that form us. We have families, churches, schools, media, television. Where do you get your formative ideas? Who taught you how to be um, a boss, an employer? Who taught you how to be an employee? Who taught you how to be a parent? Who taught you how to be a spouse? Some of you learned it from watching your spouse, your parents or, or, or that relationship or your own bosses. But what you also learn from them is you don't want to do it like that. So you need alternative content. So unless you're going to repeat everything you saw in like your parents or with your own bosses or um, in what you see in America, you're going to need alternative content. And this alternative content is culture. Culture is what helps you think through what to do with your freedom. Instinct helps you what to think through what to do with nature. It's like your accommodation with nature and culture is what accommodates your freedoms. And since we're mostly free and instinct doesn't really determine us, to a large extent, culture is very important and very important because let's not pretend that you have a lot of role models. My role models were all terrorized. And a lot of you white people who are watching this, a lot of your role models were terrorists. So what does that mean? You're not going to, you, you don't want to ape the habits of the terrorized and you don't want to ape the habits of the terrorists. So you're going to need some sort of independent content and you can't just deal with the content that's lying around. Because the content that's lying around might be lying around for its own aims, right? So you deal with the cultural content that's lying around. It might be for profit, right? It might be for order, right? And justice might not be orderly and it might not be profitable. So if you're dealing with some uh, cultural content that was designed with profit in mind, it's not going to lead to justice. If you deal with cultural content that's designed with order in mind, it might not lead to justice either. It might just lead to you like taking on the habits of the terrorized. So you need an alternative content with the culture and then you need to know how to fight, um, how to realize this content in our cultural institutions. So what's wrong with the courts? The courts, you might not, I don't know what you know. You know what? I'm going to hit the opening and then we'll talk about what's wrong with the courts. Let me get this going. To the beach, <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. Sound 
good to me. Never change the ways for the world or the government. If it was the president, then I would state facts. You leave it up to me, I paint the White House black and it can feature in your front. And we are back. So what's wrong with the quotes? You might not know this, but they are the weakest branch by design in of the three branches of government. They, uh, they don't have budgetary power. That's in the legislature. And they don't have executive power. So they're not supposed to decide what's right. And they're not supposed to realize that will. The legislature is supposed to decide what we're supposed to do. And the uh, um, executive power is supposed to realize the legislature's demands. The court is just supposed to account for particular conflicts that arise um, within statutory, like within the statutes or square statutes that the legislature comes up with. That's, those are called statutes with the Constitution. If you're looking for the courts for justice, that's not where justice happens because it's just supposed to like make things consistent, use their discretion to make things a little bit more consistent. It's not going to secure justice for you. You need to put, you need to get your legislators to write in plain English your justice claim. That's how you get justice. So the court doesn't have um, budgetary power, not in charge of budgets, and it's not in charge of actually the executing of the legislators' will. So it's pretty much nine, like a series of people who don't want you to know how little power they actually have. Um, and that's why there's a great book called Mc, uh, by McCluskey. I can't remember the title, but I want to say his first name is Stanley McCluskey. And then there's another one by Gerald Rosenberg, um, just about how the courts are a hollow hope. Like they will not do what you want them to do because they're not organized that way. And that's good. I don't want my justice claims to be imagined and conceived and realized by, you know, some judge who's not accountable to me, right? So the problem is black people rely on courts because all of, they're supposed to be somehow unaccount, like not accountable to um, profit or not accountable, they're not, they're more uh, stable than um, like the legislatures or uh, people who can be affected by white supremacy through the electorate, right? So they're supposed to be removed in that way as appointed or elected judges and at the Supreme Court elected for life. However, what they are, they're still accountable to the electorate insofar as they have to, they have to rule in such a way that the electorate doesn't find out how little power they have. This is why Brown versus Board of Education was actually a clever ruling or like a, a dangerous ruling because the U.S. found out that it turns out you can order schools to be desegregated and entire states in these United States just be like, nope, <laughs> we don't want to, right? So what happened? Um, there wasn't a cultural push for desegregation in a serious way. There wasn't, this like not an effective one. So we relied on the court and then what happened? The court made its decision, depending on who you talk to and who you read on this, because that's where the nation was trending. And so it could like get cover, but it didn't actually happen until the legislature tied money to it with the, uh, ES, uh, ESEA. 
uh, that's Johnson, and then later initiatives that tied money to desegregation. And once white people got their own schools with all the segregation academies ha opened and they were like, all right, well, we have our segregation academies now. We've, we've completely withdrew, withdrawn from the public sphere. So like the Negroes can have it. And um, so that's when they desegregated schools. And so it, the court order isn't enough. You have to fight this in the culture. And you don't just have to fight this in black culture, telling black people where the fight is. And although that's very important, you have to clarify the fight for black people. What the real fight is, is we need to teach white kids. We need to take the fight to white people. And why do I say this? Because whiteness isn't about skin color. Whiteness is about a conception of freedom, uh, an underdeveloped, deficient conception of freedom. That's, that is rooted, that happens to be rooted in black degradation. So until we go right at that underdeveloped um, conception of freedom, then like we're not going to fight. Like that we're not in the culture fight. Because if you don't know, maybe alone here, all history is, is working out and realizing more sophisticated notions of freedom. That's what makes... That's what makes events historically relevant. Do they realize, it's not about power or bodies dying, it's how does this event realize a more sophisticated notion of freedom or give a lie to a previous uh, notion of freedom? That's what makes history, historical events relevant. So are you like giving more content to freedom? If you are, you're living a meaningful life. If you're not, then I don't know what to tell you. I know what I do every Friday on www. Uh, on this site. And if you support me doing it, you should go to funkyacademic.com, kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month because I think the nation could move forward in freedom if they listen to me with a little bit more seriousness. And that means I need to be able to like market myself and all of that. But not just about me; it's about you. I'm trying to make us free people. Um. So if you support the work I'm doing, even though I'm making myself down white unemployable, depending on who you talk to, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and uh, kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month, and let me keep doing what I'm doing at a, to a, a bigger audience. So, what we need to know is one: history moves by the realization of freedom. It's not realized by the court; it's realized by uh, the culture. So we need to look at not the grassroots and not the elected officers, but the cultural institutions that serve them in, as intermediaries that make up the cultural content of the electorate, right? Because right now, like I said, when race is the variable, or like I suggested, like I wrote in my notes, but maybe not said yet, when race is the variable, most like a good chunk of the U.S. electorate are sociopaths. And because they're laboring under an underdeveloped notion of freedom, and we need to, we need to make it a richer notion of freedom, right? So what does that mean? All right, so now that we've given up on the courts because the courts were never for you, the courts, black people, were never for you. And they're really not even for democracy. They're not even for democracy. They are for conflicts. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're for a kind of conflict that by the time you get to that conflict, it's not about us. 
It's not about us. We need to fight this, not in the streets, because there's no organized power in the streets. I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for saying that, but one thing I learned about doing um, organizing in Chicago is that when you're out in the streets and it's cold out in the streets and the people you're organizing against are in offices that are climate controlled, you're not winning. You're just, you're not winning, right? So... The streets might be a means, but what we need are institutions, intermediary institutions. And since the right always has access to like very rich people with bad content, because old money is a lot of money and these are not great people, and liberals have access to liberal money with bad content, but they don't, actually not even bad content, vaguely have content. It's just conservative light content because they don't have any independent content. They just think that like, well, you know, we should do what we want to do, kind of. So it's like the market content. So the content is profit. <laughs> right. So, um, but there are a lot of rich liberals. The left and people who actually care about justice for black people, they don't have any money. So the only actual institutional forms that can support the kind of cultural intervention that I'm calling for are going to be a quality of dues-paying um, organizations. So start a dues-paying organizations, join dues-paying organizations, because we don't have, we can't rely on a big-ticket funder. Justice is not going to rely on a big-ticket funder. And there's a way in which justice shouldn't rely on a big-ticket funder. Right? The, the ends, which is a more democratic uh, government in public life, should not be that far removed from the means in which we get there. So let's, let's get there through um, grassroots organizations, organizations, not just one-on-one -on -one talks, because one-on-one talks isn't going to change the culture, that are organizations that are trained on the cultural intervention we need. We, the cultural intervention we need is giving content to freedom. Right? And so that's going to be like a history that actually tells... Um, Pretty much how white people, we need to tell white people how their institutions make them awful, right? And you say that, that's a horrible thing to say. I mean, how could you say that? What do you think the Moynihan Report was? What do you think the Moynihan Report was? If you don't know, the Moynihan Report was a report that came out, I want to say 65, 68. Um, and it pretty much said, like, the problem is the black family. This is as opposed to the Kerner report, the Kerner Commission report that says the problem is that, like, U.S. policy has heaped so many stresses upon black communities that we need to actually, like, we look at U.S. policy. The Moynihan report said that the problem is the black family. As if, like, yeah. All right. So, so we need an actual report on the white family. We do because they keep, they keep reproducing races. And if you don't know, the family is where white people learn how to white. And what's acceptable, like in the lies they have to tell each other to, uh, to, to be um, accepted in polite society, and the lies they expect to be told to them in order to be accepted. So like, the white people expect you to lie to them about what it means to be white, and they expect to lie to other people about what it means to be white, and we need to just break all that and rest on the truth, <laughs> which is like a, a regime of terrorism. Um, so we need, to, we need to habituate Americans into telling the truth about race. And that's not something that they're used to doing. And we need to habituate Americans into thinking about freedom in a more robust way. Because right now, when I say, and I'm serious when I say that whiteness isn't a skin color, it's a conception of freedom. That's what you get on Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity every day. 
Yeah, they're, you're, they're getting a conception of freedom. And that is coextensive with whiteness. It happens to be grafted onto whiteness. So you need a different conception of freedom. Because I can tell you, as long as I've been, um, I've been doing this, uh, I guess this podcast is 15 minutes long so far, or 16 minutes. I can tell you right now on right-wing talk radio, they've mentioned freedom three times. Because whiteness is a conception of freedom, and it's just an underdeveloped one. And one it's underdeveloped in a way that makes it pretty much an existential uh, uh, hellscape for, for black people in the United States. So what you need to do is intervene on that conception and give everyone a richer conception of freedom. Not, it's both hard, that hard and not that hard. And you can't expect the courts to do this because nobody's going to listen to whatever the court says, right? Like what happened if a court verdict is not um, popular, then the officials will not realize it and the legislatures will not fund it. And um, so the court was never going to be our friend. When we do our cultural intervention, the court will read the tea leaves and agree with us. But until then, don't expect justice from the court. We need into, um, institutional interventions through the culture. And that means, like I said before, media, churches, um, schools. We need to be taking over school boards. We need to be taking over teacher trainings. We need, if we're going to use the court, what we need to do is talk like I'm talking. Actually, just show this video in your class. I haven't cursed yet today. I haven't said anything that's, that's, that's untoward. Show this video in your class. And then when they try to fire you, take that to court and bring the press with you because I don't know how the verdict's going to go, but the press is going to be fantastic. And that's what we need, right? That's a cultural intervention. And that's what, that's the best use for the courts right now for the left is a show trial. Um, and that's, I mean, I have this in my mind right now because last week I watched the trial of the Chicago 7 and uh, it's on Netflix right now. But I've, I've also studied trials. I just, it just, it's, it, was, it was actually, it was it not 100% accurate, whatever, but it does show uh, the work that a good show trial can do on the American imagination. And so if we're going to use the courts, we use it for political means. But what I want is a K through 12, 12 a K through 12 um, curriculum that actually gives content to freedom. I want, uh, and you know, if you give me enough money, I can design some of this myself or hire it out. This uh, liturgy for liberation theology, not liberal theology. Liberal theology is just taking out the bad stuff in conservative theology, but like a lot of the bad stuff's intertwined with like real meaningful content. So it's just like a vacuous, it's making a whole meal out of popcorn. That's liberal Protestantism. I'm not going to say that's all of the poor people's movement, but that's a lot of the poor people's, uh, poor people's campaign under Barbara. It's just kind of Making a, trying to make a meal out of popcorn. You need real liberation theology. You know, you need some James Cone. You need some, um, that, that ties like the struggle of Jesus to the struggle of uh, like, like black people winning freedom and shows that there is no difference between um, the cross and the lynching tree. So 
real liberation theology that actually, uh, you know, understands the Bible as a story of liberation from oppression, right? And as a guide in that way, right? So you need that. And that's not liberal theology. Liberal Protestantism is, I don't know, it's conservative Protestantism with more women preaching and a better polity around uh, uh, politics around sexuality. But it's not like it's not actual real content in terms of justice. So you need the cultural intervention and also the media, right? So you need podcasts are great. I mean, I, I do this, but I would like a bigger platform, right? So the bigger the platform, the bigger the intervention. And you need networks and institutional groups. And this is only going to happen through like lots of people coming together through dues-paying organizations. Because just one-on-one people come together is nothing. It's just nothing. But through dues-paying organizations and then through signal boosting, maybe something can happen. Right? So we need to take the fight to the culture. And the aim is going to be giving content to freedom in a way that enables or secures black liberation. Because right now we are not free. We're not self-determining. We go where white people do. We say, we say stuff that um, we speak in a way that's calibrated to not uh, tick off white people. Like that's, that's not freedom. That's whatever it is that we're doing right now. And I mean, that's why Obama was a president. He wasn't president because like, he spoke for black people. He was president because he was black and did not tick off white people. And that's like black life. And that's not freedom. That's not self-determination. They call it gentrification now. I, I did a show on this a while ago. They call it gentrification, but that's not gentrification. That's white people called and they want their, their land back. You thought you owned it, but you don't. You thought you rented here and it was a stable agreement, but you don't. When they want it back, they can just take it. They call it the Great Migration. No, my, my mom moved with the Great Migration from um, South Carolina, California. That was they're the refugees. Refugees. And now I'm in Athens, Georgia, not in California because I'm priced out. So like we, we don't, we go where white people allow us to go until they want their land back and then we scoot. Um, I mean, it's not like the Trail of Tears, but it's not not like the Trail of Tears. And we just have to deal with that. And, but that's black life when we just keep moving generation after generation when white people decide that they want their land <laughs> or, or that we happen to have or have, right? You can call it gentrification. You can call it the great migration, but it's pretty much we go, um, we stand where white people aren't. And then when white people want to come back, we have to go, whether it's, you're going to build the Olympics or whether you're going to build a new stadium, whether you're going to, when white people want their land, black people have to move. And that's not self-determination. Right? So we need to fight this in the culture, not expect the, the, the courts to, um, uh, to save us. And the uh, fight in the culture is going to be in our schools. And we need to not just teach black kids. We need to go after public institutions of culture, which means we need to tell white people about their deficient freedom. I want museums of white terrorism in every place there's a Confederate monument. Every place there was a Confederate monument, there should be a town that has a museum of white terrorism. Because I can tell you, every place there was a Confederate monument has stories of white terrorism that just aren't being told. And I just want the truth to be told. Right? So I think we need museums that, that tell the truth 
about white people to white people so they, they can confront the truth about themselves and what that means and change their institutions. Because if we're running, laboring under the same institutions that supported, same churches, same schools, that supported, um, same family names, that supported uh, racial hierarchy and, and white terrorism, then institutions don't die like people. It'll just be reproduced in the next generation. So we need an actual institutional intervention, and that's going to be the cultural intervention. We need to change the electorate. It's okay we have the truth on our side, but we need, now need to realize, it, realize this quality of truth that I spit every Friday um, in our public institutions, and not just the black institutions. I'm talking about the white ones. We need to be able to take the fight to America. Um, so what should you learn? What should you take away from this? What should you take away from this? Uh, that whiteness isn't a skin color. It's an impoverished conception of freedom that's grafted onto a skin color. And it's not a necessary relationship. It's a historical contingency that's attached itself to a biological contingency. But um, we have to understand that it's not going anywhere until we kind of reform their institutions. We need to reform all of the cultural institutions. And like we can take them one-on-one, -on -one, but we have to understand this is like, a, like Harry Potter and the Horcruxes. It's like it's, there are lots of different institutions and they all kind of work together and you have to get all the parts. <laughs> and they all track uh, and they all mutually reinforce each other with this uh, deficient form of freedom. So you got to get all the parts and you need to make, um, so yeah, so that's, that's what you should take. And that's so that we can have a democratic um, uh, nation or a republic, a democratic republic that can actually sustain black freedom in a meaningful way. We actually, we can't depend on the courts to do it from on high. We need to change the electorate. And also, we need to make leaders more responsive to the people. So we need to make better people and make leaders more responsible to, two, to the people. And that's two ways. Like the second one, maybe I'll do a video on it that's different. It just changes the plumbing of democracy. Because right now, even if we have an electorate that, um, that actually gets racial justice, which we don't, but even if we did, the, the plumbing of our democracy isn't such that that message is going to be realized in the politician's as they are selected, right? So we need to redo the plumbing of our democracy uh, to make sure that our elected officials are more accountable to the people. And we need to make better people. So two distinct problems. I think I'll talk about the second problem next week. Uh, as always, it's been an honor flying with you, and I will see you next week. If you appreciate the work I do every week and you think that I should continue to do it because I'm giving you the quality of political knowledge and insight that will help you not squander your life and kind of rescue meaning from it, then go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5, $15, or $50 a month or make one enormous donations. I like the monthlies because it allows me to budget more and that'll help me you know with a marketing budget or getting better equipment that works all the time because a lot of in a lot of ways freedom means having equipment that works every time you turn it on 
<laughs> and I want to be a free Negro. So um, if you like what I do, go to funkyacademic.com and contribute. Thanks often comes in the form of cash. And the site takes 